Well, here we are. It's another episode of Take Note, a podcast about keeping a notebook. Sometimes it's about paying attention. Mostly it's about having a chat with my buddy Ted, who I've known for more than 20 years. Ted, how are you? It's about trying to pay attention. There's no guarantees here. Putting in okay. putting in the honest effort. Uh, what have you been paying attention to? Maybe sometimes you strike gold. Uh, man, I've been paying attention to my computer screen. It's been typing a lot of things and reading websites and you know, that kind of stuff. It's pretty amazing. Well, that's exactly what we talk about when we're talking about paying attention. As, as you know, I have just been um, entering whatever strange phrases I can think of into the website Wombo Dream, <laughs> in which an AI creates art for you. Um, I'm all over the place. I mean, I started with, pre- I didn't start with, I was doing president names. I've been doing I've a lot of like take note with Ted and Adam to <sighs> see if it'll create a new like image that we could use. The most luck that I had with anything though, and I don't even know what brought this on. I think I saw an article like in the New York Times is I wrote uh, Sex in the City with, and then I had the character names that I don't even know. And whatever it spat out was like amazing. It was <laughs> it was kind of looked like those characters. I I spend when I get a text from you now I sort of I flinch I look at it like cringingly like what what horrific creation is gonna be peering back at me when I look at this image. Yeah, I don't blame you. It's a, it's I a just brave new world. It's, it's, yep, absolutely. Well, on on this show sometimes we talk about AI generated art. And the fact that I just stare mindlessly into watching the development of it, and I can do it for hours on end, and what that's going to do to my brain. But other times we talk about, oh, I just got a cool uh, Wombo Art Index Cards image. Other times we talk about uh, what we've written in our notebook. So, Ted, uh, what have you got? I have a, I, I, I uh, had a delightful weekend with my daughter, where my, my son and my wife went out to the country with some friends. My nine-year-old daughter and I stayed home all weekend and mooched and watched movies and and lived it up. Uh, and uh, uh, the Monday after that weekend, she said, "I feel like there are more Mondays than Fridays." I hmm. thought that was thought that was very poignant. So that's what I got so far. Uh, what do you got, Adam? That is poignant. Uh, well, I wrote, here, here's what the actual note says, kind of at the 150th anniversary of the Palmer House in Chicago, also kind of at a National Brownie Day event, and so and so this is what happened. Uh, I, I was invited to an event at the Palmer House in Chicago, which is a 150-year-old hotel. I learned some things about this hotel, including that after it was built a couple weeks later was the Great Chicago Fire. It burnt down. They built it again. (laughs) It was at one time the world's largest hotel, even though it is not a particularly tall building. Um, Yeah, those are some of the things I learned. But so we we were invited to this event, and and I just said yes without really carefully looking at the invitation. I just said invitation in a very funny way. Hmm. Without really looking at the invitation. And then I became concerned at some point that it had also something to do with National Brownie Day. Then I forgot about all of this, and today I went to the event, and I walked in, and I was like, okay, okay, this is great. 
there's there's a flag of Chicago, there's a podium, people are going to speak, and there's there's um, projected images with the history of the Palmer House all over the Palmer House. This, this is great. Then I was offered a brownie almost immediately. <laughs> then the news cameras from multiple news stations turned away from the podium to get B-roll of the crowd, and it occurred to me that I could be on the news as having attended the National Brownie Day event, which I was not comfortable with. Hopefully eating a brownie on the 6 o'clock news. Hopefully not eating a brownie. Also, I don't think it's going to make the news. That's my guess. But um, And also, you know, who's watching the news? Um, anyway, the, the event kept going back and forth between Brownie Day and... Um, and the 150th anniversary of the hotel. Uh, somewhere on display was a, a beer stein that Mark Twain had drank from in the hotel. I didn't get a chance to see it. Um, but he, it, it also... Yeah, he uh, he died on National Brownie Day. Not a lot of people know <laughs> he choked. That. He choked on a brownie. <laughs> um, the thing is, I, I guess the thing I didn't explain is that supposedly the... Um, the brownie was invented at the Palmer House. Okay, well that ties um, it together because I I was sitting here thinking, just another National Blank Day that some marketer <laughs> from the Brownie Council lobbied uh, the Illinois state government to uh, no, but there's actually a historical tie. Well, that that lends a small amount of credence. Yeah, but instead of I don't think we celebrated on the 150th anniversary of the hotel i think that was two months ago i think instead we celebrated on national brown <laughs> we're all um, we're all having to make tough choices these days i think yeah i wish i had worn my um donk and loki and fatberg shirt it would have <laughs> been appropriate it's a reference to last week's episode in case you missed it it's called what do you got ted uh okay part of this weekend with my daughter we went to a uh to a nursery a plant nursery that was having a, a holiday get together. We were beckoned there by some friends of ours who were already there. Um, so we arrived. Uh, we saw uh, Andrew, seven year old, uh, walking towards us. Kind of went in the gates. Then we saw just a seven year old of the family walking towards us, carrying a big bag of seed uh, down the outdoor aisle with kind of a smile on his face. Uh, I said, where are you going, buddy? He said, I don't know. I shrugged and uh, kept walking past him. He uh, he passed us in the opposite direction, still carrying the big bag of seed. Uh, didn't really say much at that point. Uh, said, buddy, what's going on? He said, my daddy said to carry this to the end and back. <laughs> Started to realize what was going on. Get over to uh, to see Brian, Dad. Uh, I kind of looked down at Andrew, looked back up at him. Brian stares at me and says, boot camp. <laughs> uh, it was perfect. <laughs> it was absolutely perfect. It was great. It was, I was poetry in motion. Get, I was beginning to get concerned that after you let Andrew go past you with the seed as though it wasn't your problem that andrew was yep. then going to like uh, rob your uncle ben um killing uncle ben 
and you'll have felt as though just yep. letting the robber go by yep um was your responsibility and an army of your superpowers for good an army of grimacing uh seven-year-olds is the new the new <laughs> the new villains uh crew yeah right well it had right. that feeling of like well that just happened i'm, I'm just gonna keep living my life and see if answers unfold before me uh yeah if you're looking to steal a bunch of seed you can do worse <laughs> than giving it to a seven-year-old and have him just walking out the front with a smile on his face that's right that's i think right. that's what i proved but turns out it was boot camp and you know uh he he said something like oh you know just, you know child labor joke didn't even occur to me i thought from the very get-go i thought it was it made perfect sense i understood what was going on uh boot camp seemed uh perfect they were standing in line for santa and i'm sure someone got a little rowdy and it was time for some feats of strength i never questioned it for a moment i I think i'm sure i just nodded uh knowingly back at him after he said boot camp santa at the garden center huh it's a surprisingly pleasant event. Often there's a hayride involved. It's a, it's like a, it's like a uh, an organic native plants. It's a really nice garden center. It's very pleasant. You're mixing, you're you're mixing Santa and hayrides. There's you got a whole different thing going on down there, don't you? Oh, well, they'll just throw a hayride around for any. Okay. All right, so uh, Ted, uh, let's well, let's drop the farmer's almanac <laughs> little segment of the show. Let's uh, let's let's move from Santa to uh, our personal Santa, the world of index cards. Well, index cards are just uh, they seem to be popping up here and there. It's like you know when you open your antenna to something, uh, and then and then the world uh, has a way of delivering. Uh, I was listening to the I'm a Writer But podcast, which is uh, really quite wonderful discussion-based podcast. My friend Lindsay is a co-host. She's a delight. Uh, They had a a host on the recent episode, Ted Flanagan, who's a writer. Uh, Not familiar with his work. I think it's his debut novel. But um, in the course of their conversation, he laid out his writing strategy using index cards and so you know just small reminder you and i bandied about the use of index cards for NaNoWriMo i i was using it to capture stray ideas that i wanted to kind of put into a a library of ideas that i could pull on uh, or pull from as as the writing process carried on didn't turn out to work out that well i feel like it was often Kind of forced i actually got tired of seeing the same ideas over and over every time i would flip through so it didn't really work but um old flanagan over here has a, a <laughs> what i thought was a very interesting way of using index cards so i actually i i summarized it on the blog um over at take note.space um but essentially he'd write a bunch of chapters of of the book project that he was working on so just follow the muse, put, you know, do it in chapters, but, but write a bunch of stuff, really go to town and then stop and 
you know, kind of take stock and, and as part of that process, get out a bunch of index cards and then summarize each of these chapters that he's written on the card and then lay them out, evaluate kind of where the story was going or what he, you know, what he had done with these chapters so far and then start to think about the reader's perspective. And this is what was interesting to me is to say, okay, you know, I, he didn't go so far as to say it, but you can imagine, okay, I introduced this character here and he, he went to the casino. Now, if I was a reader, would that excite me as the first chapter or would that be something I'd want to see later uh, after, you know, they're at home? You know, it, I, I, I thought it was really cool to kind of, to put the reader hat on and use these cards to really move things around and try and create intrigue and interest. Uh, and then, so after that process, he would come up with the chapters that he wanted to add. So essentially, you know, wherever it led him saying, okay, here's what I want to put in and here's where I want those to go. And so you make index cards for that too. So you end up with this outline but an outline that's based on what the work you've already put in so far. Just thought it was really interesting and uh, a cool yeah. twist on the index card idea. I, I really liked that idea. I was excited when I read your blog post about it. And uh, I do I do sincerely like it. What I really like about it is that I've done the first two steps. I've done the just following your muse and I've done the stopping. <laughs> and so now... It's All I've got to do is card time. Yeah, now it seems like I've got a manageable task ahead of me. Now the yeah. cynic in me, you know, on the show I play the cynic, you play the optimist. Right. Um, the cynic in me uh, feels like I'm going to be able to write those cards for <laughs> or the half that I've written, and then I'm going to be a little stuck with the second half. But well, He um, also, in the interview, I think said something like, uh, I just love writing. I will write 500,000 words in order to write a book of that's 300,000 words long. So, you know, some people are well, LeBron James. probably just stop at 300,000 words. <laughs> some people are LeBron and some people hoop it up down at the local park uh, on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Um, so the other place that index cards emerged, other than from my pockets and my bag and everywhere in my life where they just <laughs> like, like a sleight of hand magician is constantly just flipping index cards in front of my eyes all the time. Um, is in the book pale fire by Vladimir Nabokov, which I, I bring up, I'll say first because we are going to read that for the podcast. And in a couple of episodes, I believe we are going to discuss it with the, Number one fan of the show, occasional co-host Ryan Sly. Uh, so if you want to read along to this uh, this insane uh, work of genius, uh, please do so. I think I've started it before. I've certainly never finished it, Ryan. I mean, Adam <laughs> is a... one of your favorites. <laughs> it is one of my favorites. I, I think I've read it four times. If not, I've definitely read it three. I have index cards emerging from it as well because... Um, the last two times I've read it, I've written down the Nabokovian words that need to be looked up. Words like pertussle and stillicide <laughs> and um, uh, euphony. 
Yeah. But where are the um where are the index cards emerging from uh for you from the from the book for you? Well there is um there's a poem in the book and uh the poet writes his poem on the index cards, which the narrator <clears throat> you'll learn if you read it painstakingly describes as if it's uh, the most wonderful, delicate, precious, delightful act to write a poem on a on an index card. Um, and you reminded me, even as we discussed this, that that's how Nabokov worked. I know we've probably talked about it on the podcast. I had forgotten that, so it's it's very Nabokovian of him, I feel like, to describe his own technique from the point of view of a of a strange narrator who makes it seem like the strangest of oh, the layers of this onion of this of this book uh i encourage you to find a copy at your local library and join in the fun yeah yeah read it now we're going to discuss it on 140 unless we decide to to prank ryan and just uh <laughs> discuss it on 139 instead <laughs> but my, for no reason. But my dad um to this day, carries a stack of index cards in his lapel pocket. I, I actually grew up surrounded by little cards with his scrawled handwriting all over. It just he, I mean he, you know, as I as I look at the roots of carrying around a notebook, they go back to they go back to him. He would just write, you know, if you said, "Oh, there's this movie. Oh, Scooby Doo Four is out." It's pretty good. You should check it out. He will remove the stack of index cards from his pocket, pull the cap off his Pilot Precise V5, and scribble out Scooby-Doo 4, and then tuck the index cards back in his pocket. It's like it; these things go deep into my DNA. Uh, well, and you know, I really want to see Scooby-Doo 4 now. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't. I'm not going to say his follow-through was particularly strong so i doubt he ever saw scooby-doo for but bride uh, of scooby yeah this is this has weirdly become a, a pay on to index cards i can't say that was my intention there i know Listen, that uh our fans love when we talk about index cards i can't call them fans with straight fans. i mean our listeners <laughs> love when we talk about index cards uh, the numbers they click on those index card links yeah so it's yeah. Well, I, we I mean, really should change this to an index card podcast, even though we keep misplacing them. <laughs> um, I Brad Dowdy uh, made some index cards as part of Knock. I think that's right. Oh, I did he? I've never gone down the path of enhanced index cards. Um, I, Do you I, think I, they're going to go better than the index cards we have at TakeNote.Space? <laughs> I've enhanced them. Uh, yeah, th- those are uh, print your own index cards. Actually, that's right. It's we've got a we've got a template where you can buy, <laughs> buy the PDF index card template. You're gonna want to go down to Office Depot, get yourself some cardstock. <laughs> Step one. It's it's actually easier if you buy just buy the index cards at Office Depot pre-cut and then run them through your printer. <laughs> run them, get our template, run them through. Uh, and then you got yourself some nice index cards to use there. <laughs> and of course, uh, there is the analog system, which was this Kickstarter that raised $450,000 for index nice cards. cards in a little wooden box. They always, they look nice. I've just, 
I, I, I've never been able to get over the, uh, the hump of, uh, how, how you can improve upon an index card. Well, that you can't, that's the answer. I think that was, they had two backers, right? At a $225,000 each. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're in the, they, they, uh, they cut down the, the oldest California redwood, <laughs> shredded that thing down, pulped it out, made index cards from it, and there were two batches that you could you could uh, snap up. And they, both of them went, so kudos to them. This has been a very silly episode, Ted. Should we do this again next week? Let's do it again next week, Adam. We're going to bring us like a level of um, sober seriousness to it next week. Thank God. Yep. Finally. To check us out on the internet, we're at takenote.space. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. We're at twitter.com slash takenotepod. Uh, and in the meantime, take care. <laughs>